This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right. If you got your Bible with you, go with me to the book of Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Now, I've been excited about this all day. I I tell you, the Word of God is so good, but I believe this is going to minister to your heart again. And we're talking about faith, and we're going to just keep talking about faith. I don't know. It may be every Wednesday night forever. I don't know. I just can tell that, that God's heart is that we, we not only teach faith, we preach faith, that we learn to live by faith. Because there in Romans 1, he says, the just shall live by faith. Now, there were years in my life that even though I was a born-again Christian, if I had to define my life, it was a struggle. Just in everything. A struggle here, a struggle there, a struggle everywhere. That's how it was. And in my own life, and this may be helpful to you, that have you ever thought this or said this? That when you were in a struggle in life, Lord, if I just had more faith. If I just had more faith. Well, you know what? I used to say that. Lord, if I just had more faith. And so the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, he said this. He said, if you have faith as a mustard seed. If you have faith as a mustard seed. So he likens faith to a seed. And when we think about a seed, a seed can grow. But the interesting thing that began to get my attention is when he likened faith to a mustard seed. A mustard seed is tiny, 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 tiny. So he wasn't talking about quantity. He was talking about quality. And so when you begin to look at it here, the challenge is this. You and me, we don't need more faith. We just need to be taught how to use the faith that we got. Now, I say that because if you're born again, if you've given your heart to Jesus, there's faith that resides on the inside of you. And so you say, well, how? Well, that's what we're going to learn again tonight. So if you've ever said, or you may have thought it today, you may have said it today, oh, Lord, I wish I had more faith. This will help you, okay? Now, ultimately, in, in Luke 17, verse 5, the Lord Jesus said, if you had faith of the mustard seed, you would say... You would say, you would say. So again, he identifies just a little bit of faith. But number two, he begins to address me and you that the releasing of faith in our life is going to come from the things that come out of my mouth or off my lips. Keep that thought in mind tonight and you will say. So now we begin in in Romans chapter 10. Verse number 8. But what does it say? The word is near you. Now when he talks about the word, he's talking about the Bible. He's talking about the gospel. He said the word or the Bible is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. The Amplified says that is the basis and the object of faith. What's the basis of faith? The basis of faith is I hear the word of God and I speak the word of God 
and I believe the word of God. Now pay real close attention here to verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth. Now note who he addresses here. He addresses me and you. And it's interesting that he says right here. That if. If. And you may want to highlight that. If you confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus. And you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Now this is talking about salvation. So in order to get born again. It has to do with my mouth and my heart. But you're not going to get born again unless you hear the word. Or you hear the stories or the passages about Jesus. So every one of us in here that have given our heart to Jesus. We either heard the scriptures. We heard a reading of some kind about who Jesus was, and we chose in our heart to obey this word. Now, the first thing he said, if you confess with your mouth, the power and the importance of faith's confession. The word confess right here in the Greek means a public binding or a public declaration. declaration. So an oral confession, it declares, it confirms, And it seals a belief in my heart. Now what you got to get this right here. Is you will not get born again. Without confessing out of your mouth publicly. That Jesus is Lord of my life. The second thing he said. Is that you would believe with your heart. The word believe here means to trust in. To have faith in. To be fully convinced. So when I gave my heart to Jesus. I not only confessed him as Lord, but it said to believe. To believe, I had to be fully convinced. I had to be fully convinced what? That Jesus was everything that the Bible said he was. So we see right here that the personal trust, it produced obedience. I acted on what I believed. Now we go to the end to verse number 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth is is confession is made unto salvation. So it is a confessed belief is what he's talking about. Let me ask you this right now. If you acted on Romans chapter 10 verses 8, 9, and 10, before you prayed that or before you confessed that and believed that, Did any of you in here say, oh, Father God, I need more faith to get born again. I need more faith. I need more faith. No. We heard the scriptures in that area, what the word of God said about Jesus, and then we acted on it. I believe the word, so therefore I speak the word. Now, here's a great question off of this this passage right here. When you gave your heart to Jesus and you confessed him as the Lord, and the Bible said you confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart, you would be saved. When did you get saved? Was that salvation, that gift of eternal life? Is that at a future day? Was that sometime? Or when you prayed that prayer, did that mean at that very moment, right now, you got saved? 
I believe with all my heart, the very minute or the very second, that split second, that you say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. And I believe, Father God, that you raise him from the dead. I believe at that moment right there I was saved. Right there. Now I want you to hold on to a thought because we're going to ultimately make our way to this. But faith is right now. Again, when we talk about salvation, we don't put that off next week, next year. When we make that confession, we believe that's right now. Now, turn a couple pages to to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Verse number 1. I beseech you, I appeal to you, I urge you, therefore, brethren. Now, anytime you see the word brethren there in the scripture, that's identifying people that are born again. If you've given your heart to Jesus, you are a brethren. You are a a son or a daughter of God. You are part of the kingdom of heaven now because of that. So right now, he's addressing the brethren. So if you're born again, this is to you. So he goes on to say, I beg you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm to be decisive and dedicated. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he says, holy. And then he says, acceptable to God. Devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing. To God, which is your reasonable service. And so when I live for God like he's talking about as a brethren, it becomes an act of worship to him. When I say, oh, Father God, I want to live holy. I want to live uh, consecrated to you. I want to live well-pleasing to you. Verse 2. And do not be conformed. The word conformed there means molded or shaped. It ultimately means outer fashion or outward appearance to accommodate oneself to a pattern. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. The world that he's talking about is this godless system that we live in. So he said, don't be conformed to the world. Don't act like the world. Don't imitate the world. Don't let the world mold you. Now look where he goes very next. But be transformed. But be transformed. So now I look at the word transformation or transform. And I think about it in this sense. That think about a caterpillar to a butterfly. There's a a transformation that takes place. I believe that's what exactly happens to us as born again Christians. That there's a transformation that goes on. That I go from this old nasty ugly beat up sinner To this child of God. Now it just doesn't happen, okay? So listen closely how he says the transformation takes place. He says, so don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How am I to be transformed? By the renewing of your mind. And so when you see the word renewing there, that literally means to renovate. So guess what? There's got to be a renovation process in my mind that goes on. 
There's got to be something that takes place. And so he says, and renew your mind. Your mind is to be renewed to the word of God, the ideals of the kingdom of God. So the only way my mind becomes renewed to the word of God is I got to get into the word of God. I got to begin to let the word of God change my focus in every way. My reasoning, my thoughts. And so one of the ways I begin to do that, when I begin to read the Word of God, I look at stuff in life and I says, does that line up with the Word of God? If it lines up with the Word of God, then I hang on to it. So again, I've got to get in the Word of God. Now, when we talk about renewing our mind to the Word, that's a continuous process. It's a daily process. You just keep renewing your mind to the Word of God. You keep feeding your spirit, man, on the Word of God. You may have heard me say this before. But we like to feed our natural man three hot meals a day, but we only feed our spirit man one cold snack a week. Now, what if we reverse that? Ooh, our flesh would be kicking and screaming. So again, I've got to get into the Word of God. Renew my mind to the Word of God. And, and he goes on to say this, that you may prove. The word proving means a testing. That you may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. So what begins to happen when I get the word of God in me? The word of God, it begins to get into my thinking. And my thinking right here formulates my purposes. And my purposes dictate my actions. And my actions ultimately set the course in the way I'm going to live my life. So literally when I, I start reading the Word of God, my life becomes conformed or shaped by the Word of God. How many of you have seen huge changes in the way you live now because you got into the Word of God? I've seen huge changes in my life. I mean, if you would have gone back 30 or 40 years ago, you would say, that guy's completely different. But again, now my life is structured by the Word of God. I'm going to live by His Word. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Not an exaggerated opinion of yourself. Watch this. But to think soberly or with sound judgment as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Let me read that again. God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now think just a second about what we just talked about here. In verse number one, who was he writing to? He was writing to the brethren. He was writing to people that have given their heart to Jesus and are born again. So right here, this tells me that every one of us in this room... That are born again or given our heart to him. He has allotted or he's put a measure of faith within every one of us. If you look closely he said as God has dealt to each one. So none of us in here that are born again have an advantage or a disadvantage over anybody else. So there is a measure of faith. Now, now listen real closely what the, the, the new King James said. It says a measure of faith. The King James itself says every man the measure of faith. So it implies a, a definite amount. 
So guess what? In order to get born again, God deposited a measure of faith in every one of us. So how does God get that measure of faith within us? Think about this. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So anytime you hear the Word of God, the byproduct of hearing the Word of God is faith. You begin to swell up spiritually. And when you get in the Word, you get in the Word. Some of you look blown up like you're on steroids on faith. Just so far. I believe that's how the Apostle Paul was. He was around the things of God so much. And man, he just, ah, just so full of, of, of the things of heaven. This is how every, every man God wants us to be like. And so in order to stay full of faith, you still got to get in the word. That renewing the mind is a continuous process. Think about this. If you poured yourself a, a cup or a glass of water and you drank it, you don't just have to fill it up one time. You've got to keep filling that up and you drink and you keep filling. Think about this in this sense. Now this would be nice if you only had to put gas in your gas tank one time and that's it. But you put it in there and then all of a sudden it gobbles up and it's gone. That's the same way that faith is. You have a faith tank. The only way that faith tank is getting full is by you putting the Word in there. Without the Word of God in you, there is no faith. So again, i got to make it a habit of hearing the Word and hearing the Word. I encourage you, get in the Word every morning. And one of the reasons I say do it in the morning, because most of the times, if we don't do it in the morning, then life begins to take control and we don't ever do it. And so i got to get into the Word. Now, turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter number 16. Mark 16. So some of you are saying, well, this, this kind of sounds like the same stuff every week. It is. got to keep hearing the Word of God. i got to keep speaking the Word of God. Mark 16. Verse 14. Now, this is called the Great Commission. And beginning in verse 14, it says, Later he, talking about Jesus, he appeared to the eleven. Who was the eleven? The eleven were the disciples. Some people would say, well, I thought there was twelve. Well, there was. But remember, Judas, the one who thinked Jesus off, he hung himself. So he's no longer there anymore. So now there's eleven. So he says, later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. And he rebuked them. He rebuked them. He corrected them. He rebuked their unbelief, their lack of faith, and the hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. So Jesus right here, he gets after them because of their lack of faith. It was, it was almost like his, his disciples who had lived life with him for over three and a half years. He was like, come on boys, when are you going to get it? Now, one of the great illustrations here is in John chapter 20. I, I believe specifically it's verse 24 where the Lord is, is come back around at his disciples and there was one of his disciples named Thomas. And Thomas was the disciple 
They, they told him that Jesus had risen from the dead. And you remember what Thomas said? Thomas said, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, unless I stick my hand in the, in the, the side of his, his ribs there, his stomach, I won't believe until I see it. And Jesus strolls in a little later and he says, Thomas, blessed are those who believe who've never seen. I want you to think about that a minute. If you can touch something, if you can see something, that doesn't take any faith. If I told you I had a Bible and I came down there and let you touch it, that wouldn't take any faith. See, that's the, that's the thing about the Lord Jesus. How many of you in here, when you got born again, did Jesus come walking out behind the curtains and say, Hi, Paul, I'm Jesus Christ. How many of you, when you got born again, that Jesus strolled up and said, Oh, Marla, I'm so glad you're part of the kingdom. None of us. So guess what? We gave our heart to Jesus based on what? The only evidence we had of who Jesus was, was through the Word of God. But guess what? We all believe that or we wouldn't be born again and we acted on it. So again, the same way we get saved is the exact same way that faith continues to work. So now I revert back. Remember Romans 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you get born again. That's the same way faith continues to work. So Jesus was here was telling his buddies, the disciples, he said, come on, boys, hook up with me. Now listen to what he says here in verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world. Now what am I supposed to do? And preach the gospel. Preach the word of God. Preach the B-I-B-L-E. Tell people the good news. Preach the word of God. The word preach literally means to verbally, to, uh, verbally proclaim to every creature. Why was Jesus so gung-ho on telling the disciples to preach the gospel? Because he knew without the preaching of the gospel, there is no faith. So the very first thing that Jesus, you got to preach the gospel. If you go back and look at Jesus' life, it will say this. And Jesus went about preaching and teaching and healing all those who were sick. But he always preached first. Why? we got to get the word in us because that's the only way that faith comes. So he says, preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and be baptized will be saved. He who believes what? The gospel. The word of, of God. And so again, you begin to see here the exact thing he told the disciples. The great commission, which I believe is the same for me and you. i got to preach the word. See, even when people go into a hotel room. And they pull out a Gideon's Bible that's in there. And they start reading the word of God. Something happens when I begin to read the Word of God. Faith will begin to come. Faith will begin to rise. And so again, this was Jesus' exact words. Now through the rest of the passage right there, he said, you preach the Word to him. And then he said after that, he said, you lay hands on the sick in my name and I'll heal them. He said, you cast out devils in my name and I'll, I'll release them. 
you know, at the end of this chapter here, Mark 16, he said this. And I'll confirm my word with signs following. You know what I believe we as the church need to do? We need to start believing that. That ought to be our expectation. We ought to say, man, I'm going to church tonight. I'm going to hear the word of God. And God's going to confirm his word tonight. God's going to reveal himself to us tonight. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I really need to get there. And a little farther if we can make it. Hebrews chapter 11. Now as you're turning there. Just as I can look back there and I can see that right now it is 753. Faith has a time too. And I talked about this a little early, but I want you to note in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I read that real fast because I want to repeat it again. Now faith is. When is faith? Now. Now. Now my inquiring mind, I thought, I've got to look at every translation I have on my desk in this certain area. So the new King James, that's what I'm reading out. It says, now faith is. The King James says, now faith is. The New American Standard says, now faith is. The Amplified says, now faith is. The New International Version says, now faith is. Every translation I looked at had the same wording. Now faith is. So anytime that I begin to talk about faith, and I put faith off to the future, or oh, God will do it sometime, then it's not, fa- it's not faith. If my prayers are that of, you know what, God will do it sometime, then it's not faith. Because why? Faith is right now. So when I look at my Bible clock, I look and I say, faith is right now. So this tells me that in my praying or my believing God, i got to get it to right now. Because faith is now. If I went backwards in, in uh, Hebrews 10 verse 38, it says, now the just shall live by faith. When shall the just live by faith? Now. Now. So too many times as believers, we always want to push stuff off to the future. God will do it then. God will do it sometime. God will do it later. I don't know. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now, with that thought, this is what I'll end with tonight. Go with me to 2 Peter. That's just to your right a little bit. You'll go through James, and then you're going to hit 1 Peter, and then 2 Peter. Ooh, this is good. This will help you. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained or received like precious faith with us. That's interesting, he called faith precious. They received like precious faith. What is faith a result of? The word of God. So literally, he's telling us that the preciousness of faith is a result of how precious and powerful the Word of God is. But he said, like precious faith, just like us, by the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So the source of faith is God and the source of faith is Jesus Christ. Verse number 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How is it multiplied to you? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the more that I learn about God and the more that I learn about Jesus, things are going to be multiplied to me. That's why when you begin to see certain Christians, it's almost like they they grow. 
they take off. How many of you have ever had a child that, you know, they're, they're five foot and next year they're six foot? They just, you look and think, how'd that happen? It's the same spiritually. I've seen people that get so hungry with the Word of God that you just see them, they just, like they sprout up. Well, this is what they're talking about. They begin to understand who they are in Christ Jesus and what God's given them. Verse number three. As His divine power, and this is what you've got to mark down right here. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus who called us by glory and virtue. Has given us. The things that Jesus has given us that pertain to life and godliness. Let me read it again. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So when I read the part there that has given us, that tells me He's already done it. He's not going to do anything. Jesus has already done it. So if I read this correctly, it says everything that you need that pertains to life, He's already given it to us. It's like an inheritance. I can't, I can't spend my inheritance unless I know what it is. So now when I go back and I start reading the Bible, I find out everything he's given me that pertains to life. So in John 10.10, 10, the Lord Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. So again, I can't experience or walk in faith toward that life without knowing it. So I like to say it this way. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You've given me life and that more abundantly. In every venue of my life, I walk in Jesus' life, that life as a man, as a husband, as a father, as a grandfather, as a man of God. I just say, I welcome the life that you died to give me. And he said, I've given you all things that even pertain to godliness. So how do I receive that? Well, the only way I receive it is I dig in the Word. You know this book has buried treasure? The only way you find it is you've got to dig. Get into the Word and God will get into you. And I start getting into the Word and I start finding out. This is what God's given me. He has given to me. So now again I go back and I find out what the Scripture say. And I begin to live by the Scripture. I begin to live in the Word of God. So if God said, I give my beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. When God made that promise, He wasn't crossing suckers. He doesn't say... Knock on wood. God said, I give my beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. So if I'm born again and I begin to hear the word of God, that faith comes in that area and I says, well, he's given it to me. He's already paid the price for it, so guess what? I might as well start sleeping well at night. So how does that happen? I begin to read the word of God, faith starts coming, and then I begin to believe. This is what my heavenly father said. Exactly what he said pertaining to salvation. And so I begin to release that faith. How? Out of my mouth. How does that look like? I begin to agree with the word of God. So my prayer would look like this. Father God, you said in Psalm 127 too. That you give your beloved sweet and peaceful sleep. I thank you tonight. That I'm going to have sweet and peaceful sleep. You know why? Because daddy said so. Again, when I read those, he's already promising it. Now watch verse 4, and I've got to end with this because some of you got to go to a snowball fight. 
Verse 4. By which have been given. Again, it's past tense. By which have been given to us. You know who the us is? People that are born again. So guess what you could read this? By which he has given to me. By which he has given to you. You can put your name in there. What has he given to us? Those exceedingly great and precious promises. Not just promises, but exceedingly great and precious promises. So anytime that I can find in the Bible promises, they're written to me and you. And the way that I begin to walk in these is I begin to read my Bible and I say, Thank you, Lord Jesus. The same way. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you died for me on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you took all my sin. You know, how, how do you repent? You confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, if you'll confess your sin, God is faithful and just to not only forgive you, but to cleanse you. So when you repent of your sin, when does God forgive you? Well, when we get to heaven, no, no. Now, how many of you believe when you operate in faith on that verse, and you, if you repent of your sin, that it's now? It's now! Well, his, his precious promises are the same. He wants us to walk in this. See, we've got to realize this, that everything that we need that pertains to life and God, Jesus has already paid for it. He already died for it. And so with Jesus, and I don't mean this ugly, but it's with Jesus, it's Christmas every day. He said, I want to bless you. I want you to live an abundant life. So again, this is how faith begins to work. So I encourage you to begin to pray. Believe God for now. Well, pastor, what if it doesn't happen? Let's keep praying. Let's keep standing on the word of God. Because listen, here's what I found out in this life. God doesn't miss it. What's wrong with you, God? Can't you? Uh-huh. God doesn't miss it. Remember, all that's good and perfect comes from God. God is a perfect. God doesn't miss it. So guess what happens? That tells me, you know where, where, where we're missing the connection? If it's not God, guess who's it's got to be? It's got to be me. So guess what I do? I go back into the Word. And I said, okay, Father God, this is what your Word said. Woo, I believe with my heart. I'm, I'm going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Stand up. Some of you are looking at me like a cow to a new gate. That's a good thing, though. So you see why we got to get a hold of this. This is, oh my gosh, this is good stuff. This is so rich and good. But again, and let your prayers be now. Um, let, let me just say this. I'm going to get you out of here. When they were singing the song, and you know, you, uh, about darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. I really got this in here that some of you, with your children and even in your home at times, there's been things that have caused fear in your home. I'm just telling you right now, don't put up with it. Use the name of Jesus. You pray over those little blessings. And you say, in the name of Jesus, okay? And in, in the, the story of this, there was, a, there was a, a lady who was at a bus stop and a little dog was standing there. And, and the lady... Look, and the bus wasn't coming, and she told the little dog, go home, little dog, go home. 
The little dog would just look, and she'd say a few minutes later, go home, little dog, go home. She'd watch for the bus, and all of a sudden she saw the bus coming, and she looked at the little dog and goes, go home! And the dog took off and screamed. Sometimes that's exactly what you've got to do with the devil. You've got to become a little authoritative and say, uh-uh, not in the name of you. There's a new sheriff in town, and I've been deputized by the blood of Jesus. Bow your head, let me pray.
Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.